welcome to the Finer Life Show. I'm your host, Greg Hush Williams. On this episode, we're going to talk to Peter Neuoffer, an actor, casting director, and U.S. Army combat veteran on his journey from Iraq to Hollywood. Take a listen. So, uh, I, wow, all the way back. So, it all started in the summer of 86. No, I'm just. <laughs> I, I like that. I was, I was ready to go. I'm like, and action. This is where I put you on full screen and you know, you get the lower thirds and everything. Let's do it like the one years. Go, Peter. Okay. So um, I did not graduate high school and it came down to a single credit to graduate high school, which meant I had to go back the following year and I chose not to for selfish reasons. Uh, I was scheduled to join the Marine Corps. Um, before that, I was scheduled to join the Navy. I actually went as far as MCRD with the Marines and they discovered I had a heart murmur and decided that I would not be fit for service with the Marine Corps. Uh, that was just before uh, the decision not to graduate high school. I got a GED from the state of Arkansas um, and then moved to Maryland where the United States Army took a chance on me. I joined in 1999 as, at the time, 14 Juliet, which is now 14 Golf, it's Air Defense Artillery MOS. Um, I started basic training in Fort Sill, Oklahoma in March, uh, specifically March 26th, uh, and I was a hold over for security clearance and eventually attended AIT in Fort Bliss um, and then finished up AIT in early 2000 and my first duty station was in Fort Drum, New York. From there, I served in Korea, I served in Germany, I went to the invasion of Iraq, um, came back, was in Germany for a time, went to Fort Bliss as an instructor for my MOS, uh, then went to Korea again, came back, was in Fort Bliss for a time, and then uh, I got bit by the acting bug a second time in my life and made the decision to move on from active duty. Uh, Air defense was in a transitional phase in 2008-2009, uh, so I made the decision that I would join the Army Reserves. The Army Reserves made me an MP. Uh, I came out to California. I was in the San Diego area, Temecula, San Diego. And it's a big stretch for people who know California. It's like a two-hour drive, one to the other. But I, uh, I was in that area for a time. I thought I was pretty much done with deployments. Um, then I went to uh, Afghanistan with a military police battalion. Uh, after having studied at the New York Film Academy. Then came back and upon my return, uh, went to school full-time while becoming a drill sergeant for the Army Reserves. And then eventually I went on, once I graduated college, Cal State University Northridge uh, with a bachelor's of arts in theater, uh, specifically acting and directing tracks. I then, uh, I went on the trail as a drill sergeant for 20 months and then came back and really kind of gave myself over to 
the acting process and then somehow ended up on ADOS RC orders. And I have been essentially active duty from 2017 till now while also acting somewhere in there. I was a manager for David's Bridal. I was a in-house military advisor for Electronic Arts on Medal of Honor Warfighter and for two of the Battlefield titles. Then I transferred over to Infinity Ward and was an in-house military advisor uh, for Call of Duty. And I had uh, three or four, four titles, Call of Duty under my belt where I advised for them. And uh, it's been a whirlwind. It's been an absolute whirlwind. Um, I'm still serving. I'm now with, uh, I've, I've left the drill sergeant world behind. I'm with the 79th Theater Sustainment Command out here in California, uh, located in Los Alamitos. And uh, we're, we're doing good things for the Army out that way. And they have been gracious enough to allow me to pursue my acting career while being on full-time orders. So that's, that's where we are in a nutshell. Um, that is not the whole story but the whole story would take us a lot longer than an hour to get through. So let's, let's pretend that's the bulk of the story and then hit uh, bits and pieces. Call of Duty. Oh, I was an advisor for the Call of Duty. I was an advisor for, for Medal of Honor. Mm -hmm. I like that game a lot because you get to play as Excuse all Amer America's heroes and get America. to run through their mission, America. And, and, That's right. And you got to get to a lot of cool things, Peter. A lot of cool stuff. things. You know, you did, you did some stuff. You know, you, you've, you've got IMD page, IMDB page and you've got credits. Huh. You got credits. I, I, I got is this SAG after card for being Not in the background for like 10 years. Got one of those. Nobody, yeah, yeah, I know. That's all I got. That's all I got, Peter. I don't have a nice long resume like you do. Ugh. I got I'm one jelly. of those. See, I'm jelly. I'm jelly. Look at you. You know what? You know what? Let me tell you a little something about me. I had okay. to be, I'd be a Manchurian candidate with Denzel Washington for 16 hours. 16 hours in the background. And well, you know that's what, good, though. You know, yeah. Yeah, you know what they gave us at craft services? Peanut butter and jelly, Peter. Nice. Peanut butter and jelly. Nice. Look, yeah. I've been to some craft services, don't even have that. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peter's legit, y'all. That's why I had to have you on my show. Um, so I want to touch on two nuggets in there. I want to sure. talk definitely about, you know, New York Film Academy because mm -hmm. it sounds like when you went to, to New York Film Academy, you really had to balance your military and school life. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about that. But I really want to talk about one thing that you did mention, uh, invasion of Iraq. Sure. Um, I want you to give the audience the context that you, you know, how you were involved in that and really what did you learn from that conflict or being a part of that whole it's history? Yeah. Military yeah, yeah. history 101. Um, so, so give us those two tidbits. So let's start with the farthest back, which is the invasion. Um, in 
January or February of 2003, my unit, which was 1-4 Air Defense Artillery out of Wackernheim, Germany, uh, was informed that we would be participating in, the, in, in some form of the invasion of Iraq. We landed in uh, Kuwait in early April, I believe. It, it, the fog of war and the fog of time kind of make my timelines a little, like, like I'm just trying to remember all that unless I go to my notes. So I, I, we got there, I believe, in, in early April. We had a two-week-long period of time where we were um, gathering our equipment and acclimating. Uh, we crossed the LD around the time that the airfield had just been taken. Um, that's uh, Baghdad International uh, Airfield, uh, or airport, rather, by app. We crossed the LD, and somewhere in the ballpark, 12 to 24 hours later, we were in our new, in our new home, the Rodney Complex. Uh, our, we, our entrance in, uh, we did take some, uh, we did take some fire from direct fire, and then um, some indirect as well. And then once we settled in, uh, we were at Saddam's second wife's house, the guest house there. And uh, we were co-located with 10th Mountain Division, the 82nd, the 101st, and Special Forces. We did not do a whole lot with the Special Forces, although a couple of times they did come and ask us for some assistance on uh, things like cordons and village, search village searches and stuff like that. Uh, but we were, it wasn't like we were like, oh, I'm with Special Forces. We just, we lived here and they lived there. And sometimes they would come say hi, and sometimes we go say hi to them. And um, uh, because we were conveniently located to them, on occasions they would come down and ask us for, you know, hey, can you give us a ride from this place to that place so that they don't know that special forces coming in and they, they think it's just a regular army unit. I mean, that was the thing that happened. My unit uh, was situated in a location along Route Tampa and Route Yankees. So we got a lot of activity. Um, it, it was an interesting experience, a lot of downtime where you're waiting for something to happen and then something would happen and it would be exciting for a few minutes and then you'd have to wait for another week for something else to happen. Um, we got to meet some phenomenal people uh, indigenous to Iraq. We met some not quite phenomenal people indigenous to Iraq. Um, we were a part of history. We were, I mean, everything from, and it's gonna sound crazy, but everything from Abu Ghraib past the invasion into Saddam's capture and subsequent trial and ultimate hanging. Like my unit had some level of play in it. Um, most of the time as like a side character where, you know, we, you know, I got to see Saddam Hussein from about 16 feet away, not really realizing that's who I was looking at because we were dropping off a prisoner in the same area where he was traveling through. Um, I met Private English, who is vilified, rightfully so, for their actions at Abu Ghraib. Um, a lot of stuff that happened around Tampa, Yankees, and Irish, our unit 
was there to clean up in Operation Stinger Hammer. So it was, it was like the Wild West meets modern day is the only way I can explain what the experience was like. I would not trade it for anything. It was difficult. Um, I grew as a person, I think. I like to think that I grew as a person. I think my NCOs would say otherwise. Um, <laughs> I had a phenomenal section sergeant, uh, then staff sergeant, DeAndre Wright, uh, who went on to become a warrant officer and then a commissioned officer and ultimately retired. And um, I kind of set myself to trying to emulate his leadership style. And I like to think I'm where I am now because I'm in. Um, I had some great uh, battle buddies along the way, like uh, Sergeants McCluskey and Blunk. Um, there were some guys that I learned from, even though I didn't get along with them. Uh, but, but learning from them was important because sometimes you learn how you learn a skill set that you didn't know that you needed, or you learn to not emulate a leadership style because you know you don't want to do that. And I, I learned a lot of that from, from those guys that I served with. Uh, I still think about those guys a lot. Some of them I'm still in contact with uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, and that was a million billion years ago. It feels like a whole lifetime ago. Um, you learn what you don't need. In a situation like that, a lot of people think they need video games, they need movies, they need to know what celebrity is doing what and when, and they need their specific kind of foods and their specific entertainment forms. And you learn quickly what you don't need. And you, you discover that those are just wants. And I think that from that, I was able to start a very slow process. It would take me several more years to actually figure it out for myself. I was able to start a slow process of deciphering what it is I need versus what it is that I want, separating the two, and being able to go after what really matters as opposed to getting sidetracked by what doesn't. So that's, that's that experience. The second experience you brought up was the New York Film Academy. Uh, I joined the New York Film Academy in October of 2008. Uh, I was with them for one full semester uh, of four potential semesters. Um, while I was there, I met some phenomenal young actors and young directors uh, who would go on to do some pretty impressive things. I uh, met some wonderful teachers, and I also met some not quite as wonderful people that were there as well. Um, Ultimately, I left the New York Film Academy. Um, I had, the, the Academy and I had an agreement and I walked away because I needed to pursue some other things. And uh, to be honest with you, I was struggling with um, post-traumatic stress disorder and I needed to go and sort that before I was ready to try and experience what acting had in store for me. That being said, prior to that, I was already acting. I just, I didn't really understand. I, like, I didn't understand what I was doing to get myself to a place that would be truthful in the imaginary circumstance. Um, and then once I did start to realize what that was, it became apparent that I needed to go and address some issues in my past 
um, and some unreconciled um, uh, situations that I, I needed to come to terms with. I uh, got a lot of good help from uh, initially from the VA and then ultimately from a program called, um, oh, Jesus, what is the name of that program? It's defunct now, but it was like, uh, it was a free counseling program for veterans in the state of California. I got help through them. Um, uh, my final deployment to Afghanistan happened shortly after all of that took place. Um, and then uh, when I came back, I was with the woman who would become my wife, who is still my wife, as long as she'll have me. And uh, she helped me out quite a bit um, as she is a marriage and family therapist. And so she was able to give me some ideas, directions to go uh, on how to get more help and more help. And then I started to pick apart the event from the emotion, and then I was able to start working with just the emotion and attach that to the imaginary circumstance, which I think helped me become a better actor. Um, I absolutely enjoyed my time at the New York Film Academy. I think it, for me, it was, it was an important experience along the way. I don't know that I would suggest formal schooling in a conservatory like that for everyone who wants to pursue acting. I think that, I think each person's journey to get in front of camera or behind camera has gotta be their own. And I would, I would almost suggest going to acting classes in an independent class to get your feet wet before you decide to bank that kind of money to go to a conservatory because they are expensive. So, and thankfully I had won a scholarship um, through the Millie Lewis Actors, Models and Talent Competition in 2008 and then ultimately ended up at the New York Film Academy because of that, uh, because of that scholarship uh, awarded to me by uh, Mr. David Bando from the New York campus of the New York Film Academy. I came out to Los Angeles to, to do my portion. So the balance, because you had mentioned this, the balance between school and military. So this is the trick. This is the New York Film Academy wasn't the place where I got all my education. I ultimately ended up going to uh, Los Angeles Valley College in Valley Village, California. And then my two-year concentration at Cal State University Northridge, where I eventually graduated with Bachelor's of Arts. And it was apparent that the veteran resources centers were doing everything they could to assist us. But in a lot of cases, because each individual person's journey to college is different, they became a little overwhelmed, especially when you have two, 300 veterans trying to go to school and trying to manage uh, either their continued service through the reserves or National Guard or in active duty in some cases or if they're just trying to you know, go through as veterans so that the balance while serving was tricky. There were more than a few times where I had to take tests early even before the subject matter had been covered because I had to go to two weeks of annual training. There were, uh, there were uh, uh, primary military education courses 
that I had to take, which slowed down my schooling. There was, I, I lost two whole semesters to uh, going to advanced leaders course and then later to going to the uh, uh, drill sergeant academy in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. So that was two semesters that were just gone, um, which extended my time in college. And uh, there's a part of me that feels like maybe I should have completed the military and retired from it before pursuing uh, an education, but I would not give anything to change the route that I took. I mean, it brought me to where I am and I, I couldn't be happier with it. If Thank you for tuning into the Finer Life Show. Listen, if you want to find us on the web, please check us out at www.mbphikings2017.org. That is www.mbphikings2017.org.